This is a Hunt, Fish, Conserve podcast hosted by Ethan Evans and Tyler Swenson. Tyler's actually not here today, so Ethan is joined by his better half, Sydney Dahl. And then uh, today on the show, we have Cece, and uh, she's actually going to be talking about through hiking, the Superior Hiking Trail, and we're going to get into a lot of cool stuff from Minnesota and just kind of highlight Minnesota that might not always get the praise it deserves. So, Cece, if you want to start off by um, telling us who you are, kind of what you do, what makes you unique, because I think you are a super unique, cool individual. Um, Cece is a photographer. She does marketing things. I actually went to school with Cece and that's how I knew her, uh, know her. Um, and we're both photographers, so we're photographer friends, but she's super cool. She does um, lots of really cool things. She lives in a tiny home. Um, so Cece, if you want to talk a little bit about yourself, what you do, and then kind of how you got into through hiking the Superior Hiking Trail. Yeah. Thanks, you guys. Thanks so much for having me, too. Um, I'm Cece. I live in Two Harbors, Minnesota right now in the tiny home. Just got moved there for the winter. Um, and I do photography full time, just like Sydney. And wait, what was the question again? You guys are so good at this. <laughs> um, just tell us a little bit about what you do. Oh, yeah. What I do in the outdoors. Yeah. yeah. So I love to Nordic ski. That's what brought me to northern Minnesota originally was to ski race in college. Um, I like to paddleboard whitewater and both like on the big lake of Lake Superior. Um, I do dog sledding in the winter just for fun. And, uh, <laughs> oh yeah, a lot of backpacking. That's yeah. what I like as well. And you so, canoe. Yeah. And a canoe too. Just kind of like whatever sounds cool I do. But during the pandemic, it definitely kind of like, I graduated college when the pandemic started and that kind of just like jump started, um, making my life a big mixture of like being outside and doing things that I love. Um, if you want to tell us a little bit about basically your journey to through hiking the superior hiking trail and how it came about, I know that there was an artist grant involved. So if you want to talk a little bit about that. So last fall, I met uh, another person. I was just camping with a friend and we ran into a group of hikers. And one of the women was like, yeah, I work for the Minnesota State Arts Board. And she's like, there's a grant you could apply for. So I put my name in the hat and got the grant, found out I got it in January. So that provided like the funding in order to make this like goal of mine possible. Um, a, like a long through hike usually takes a bit of money to like buy the gear and have the food and the resources. And then another logistic is like taking off a month of work can be like really challenging to any like long excursion that people do. So the funding helped a lot with that. Uh, it was hard to say no to photo gigs during that time, but uh, I spent 25 days on trail backpacking and my pack weighed about like 60 pounds, which is on the higher end of. Yeah pack weight yeah and so with this artist grant what were kind of the logistics in terms of what you had to do to complete it or anything that you had to meet in order to fulfill the artist grant yeah so the grant is designed for artists to kind of like create your own prompt but then you're also serving like um groups of like people in need or like areas that are underserved so rural minnesota um, doesn't have a ton of artists in it. So 
I qualified since I live out of the like surrounding Twin Cities area. Um, and then the prompt that I created was to through hike and then tell the stories of the people that I met along the, like met on trail. So along the way on that hike, um, I did take some nature photos as well as part of that too. So how many photos did you end up with and how can people access those or where are you sharing them? What platform? So if I understand correctly, you were given the artist grant and you were, you designed this project kind of to capture people and be a storyteller on the trail. So um, how many people did you end up kind of capturing or how many people did you end up getting to know? And then where did those photos end up going? Yeah. So I met probably like 70 different groups of people. Yeah. It's a really active trail. Um, the SHT grows in popularity, especially like during the summer months, it's very well trafficked. And then the photos are all shared on like my website's blog page. So just ccboyle.com. But yeah, I met, I chose about like 40 images to display in that blog post. There were a lot of people that were like day hiking or um, a lot of like Boy Scout groups that I like didn't photograph because they were like 10 year old boys. I was like, I'll just leave them alone. Um, but I met a lot of different people. So that was really exciting to meet. Awesome. And before we jump into things about the hike, you brought a sled dog. Yeah, I as a like solo female hiker, the idea of sleeping alone in the woods was like a little bit scary. Not so much like safety wise, but just getting in my own head. Like if you hear a rustling in the woods, like what is, I don't know, just that like the wheels get turning and once they start going, sometimes it's hard to stop them. Um, So having a dog companion was definitely like a big sigh of relief going into it. I do have one Um, question, Cece. Is this like a pretty common thing for the artist grant? Like to do something that like you did or not? Is it pretty unique? Yeah, pretty unique. A lot of people for artist grants will put on like shows, like they'll rent out like a gallery space and do like an expedition or ex not expedition exhibit of the things that they've created. Other people will put it towards like pottery or like um like skills to do things. Um, but like in Duluth, there's a couple other artists that got it that are like musicians. So it went to like recording their albums or different things like that making like a trip out of it is definitely pretty unique. Yeah. That's pretty cool to hear and pretty cool to hear that you did it. So. Thanks. <laughs> okay. So yeah, now we're actually going to like get into uh, the Superior hiking trail, you know, just for people that don't know. And actually I wasn't that really informed until Sydney started going to school up there about the trail. Uh, do you just want to give some background, you know, how long is it? Where is it actually located and all that kind of stuff? So the Superior Hiking Trail is located from the Canadian border, just north of Grand Marais, um, and then down along the North Shore, ending in Jake Cook area-ish. Um, it's 310 miles, and it's kind of like modeled after, if people are familiar with like the Appalachian Trail, that one's like on the East Coast, um, where the trail goes up the highest hills and down to like the lowest ravines, really making it. Um, pretty crazy elevation when you add in those like hills along the North shore. Yeah. And it's all like volunteer based. So there's like a nonprofit that does trail maintenance and trail building. And yeah, it's all funded by just people that love the trail. And do you know how much elevation gain there is? I think I read it somewhere like 36,000 feet. 
of elevation, which is pretty impressive. Um, granted, like it's the Midwest, people don't think it's too strenuous or too hilly, but the stretch of trail definitely brings you up and down like the whole time. So I actually did a training hike with CC, and it was like not crazy hard, but there was definitely elevation change. So I can only imagine actually hiking it and being like exhausted. And it's like, great, I have two more hills to uh, climb before I can get to my camp. And so you said it was complete or you did 25 days. Is that typical or do most people stretch it out or squish it together? Um, I think a lot of people I met on trail that were very like serious about their through hiking with really lightweight packs did it in like 15 days. I'd say that's pretty like doable on the like speed and things. But I was averaging about like 10 to 12 miles a day, sometimes a little bit more. A couple of days I did 18. The cool thing I liked about through hiking or like about it is no matter like how fast you go, like people are just happy to see you out there doing it. Like the fellow through hikers don't really like look down on you if you're like only doing four miles one day or if you need to take a day off. Like it's a really supportive community that I think like enables a lot of like people that are like at turning points in their life or like lost souls or people that are just figuring it out. Like a lot of the people I met on trail were like misfits, I would say, or not misfits, but we were all just kind of in search of something. People were like laid off from their jobs or like on a break from like seasons of work. So yeah. an interesting, like you, a lot of people took it at their own speed, I guess. So there's no like speed requirement or anything. And you took 25 days to hike it. How long did you prepare for it? I prepared like 30. Oh, like, oh, okay. Took me like six months to get ready for the trail. So that was like training, packing, um, knowing what gear I needed and then what gear I wanted. Um, and then it took, I thought it would take me about like 32 days. And then once I got going, like every day I got further or felt like less tired or more like used to the strenuousness of it. So that was refreshing to like crank out more miles as the days went by. Do you happen to know like how many people do that every year, like through hike the whole trail? No, I have no idea. It keeps growing though. The foundations like they keep saying it just gets busier and busier. It's a more popular through hiking trail in the state. The trail partially goes through uh, the Boundary Waters, right? It like ends where it ends. It connects up with the trail that goes through the Boundary Waters, and that's the um, Border Route Trail. It's called. So they like a lot of the through or like a lot of big trails systems will like end, and then another one will begin. So you can go from like the border route trail, do the SHT, connect with the North Country Trail, go all the way to like Michigan, kind of like connect together. So, And so speaking of the Boundary Waters, you were hiking the Superior Hiking Trail when the Boundary Waters were on fire. Yeah. Did that affect your hike at all? Um, with it being like such a bad drought year, um, there are a couple spots where I stayed at like a friend's yurt or like they have a farm with water. So I wasn't able to like find water through like a 20 mile stretch. Um, but usually I would like pump water in the morning and then try to get that to like last the whole day. So I'd carry about like two liters at a time. And then once like one Nalgene or once I was down to like half of a Nalgene full, then I was 
more like panicked for water. Um, especially with like having a dog with and taking that into consideration of like, I'm not only having water for myself, but also keeping like Alice hydrated and like cooled off, especially with it being like 85. I went midsummer, so it was a little more warm. Oh, you did a good job describing the trail. I think it's just like something that I think a lot more people should maybe put on their radar. That's something that the Midwest can actually offer. It is something that unless you're kind of from the northern Minnesota area, it's something that was never, I grew up in Minnesota and it was never on my radar um, until we started visiting like northern state parks and um, seeing that the Superior Hike and Trail runs them. So it's definitely something I would love to do. I don't know if I could through hike it, but I would love to do like a weekend camping trip on the Superior Hiking Trailers. Maybe a week long, I could last. Oh, totally. It's definitely wild how many state parks the trail like dips through. Um, and I'm trying to think like Cascade Bay or like Temperance River, a couple of those like big name parks. You like, there's a spot where like it's near the highway and a lot of like tourists or day hikers will like jump in and then jump out. And it was wild, like have seen no one for like four or five hours. And then you'd come through this busy section of park where most people just go to get their like Instagram shot. And then I'd continue off into like the back country. So it was a little interesting. What was your favorite section of the Superior Hiking Trail? I'm just going to ask that. No way. We're <laughs> on the same wavelength. The northernest part. So like Canada down. There were a lot of parts that like the first day I did 12 miles. So it was like the 420 degree overlook is the official start. And then you just go down and it felt like moose country, that whole section. Um, you could see like their, like their, not their paws. They're like feet oh, marks yeah. in the dirt. And then just like the low lying brush is where moose tend to hang out more. So it was like smaller um, trees and like swampier. But I just, the, that first day was crazy there's no cell service there's like no one out there at all for a couple of days right in Seattle. um and yeah i really recommend getting out just because it's it feels more like untouched and a little more of a like rugged experience that's so exciting did you actually see any moose there like no. on the trail the yeah. only animals i saw were like or heard I heard two um black bears like crash into the trees I didn't like work too hard to look for them with Alice saw a couple deer but as a through hiker I had the mentality of like I don't want to see too much wildlife <laughs> yeah because, I don't know why run into like a moose or an angry yeah. bear yeah I feel like I'd be way more scared of moose than bear <laughs> and I'm terrified of bears <laughs> Cause they're just so big. Yeah. I don't know. How about like for like bears, were you ever worried about them like coming to camp or anything or messing with you at yeah. all or the dog or anything? Um, bear hangs were definitely something. Um, I just, like I would say I wasn't too scared of the bears, but I think you need to have a healthy fear of the bears. Um, I met a lot of people on trail that like would put their food in their tent, um, oh, gosh. I, which is like, people know anything about bears um that's like not a good rule of thumb like they smell the food they usually leave you alone if you're just like sleeping in the woods but knowing like what a good bear hang tree is how to like hang a bear hang and then 
making sure like your toothpaste and your deodorant. I mean, I didn't bring deodorant, but things like that are like tied up as well. Yeah. So then that like campsite isn't frequented, frequented by like a bear every week or something like that. Yeah. Then when you were hiking, was it like you knew a camp spot to go to and that was like the goal to get to that one? Or were you hiking like, or were you camping like off trail a little bit? Or I guess I don't know how the logistics of that works. Yeah. So like there's, um, the, all the campsites are like walk-up sites. So I would look at the map in the morning and decide like, oh, that looks like about this many miles. The maps that the Superior Hiking Trail have are really detailed. So I'd go through those and kind of like check the terrain, where rivers were. That was a big thing with the drought was making sure there was water and reliable water nearby. Um, and then they are like walk-up sites. So sometimes I'd get to a site and I wouldn't really like it. So then I'd go on to the next one. Or if I was feeling good, if it was early in the day, I'd just keep going. But the sites, yeah, sometimes they'd have people, sometimes they wouldn't. Wait, what was the other part that you asked me about that? That's pretty much it. Yeah. Um, I do have another question. So what was the longest period of time you went without seeing another person? Probably like 48 hours. So is that I wouldn't be able to do that. I'd be so t- I'd, I'm a chicken. Yeah, but I feel like sometimes it was like mental too, though. Like, did it ever like kind of get in your head a little bit, CC, that you weren't like really talking to anybody or, or was that not a really a factor to you? The first day was definitely the hardest. Um, I felt like I had Alice, so that was nice to have her to talk to. But I rolled up the first night to this campsite and I started my day at like 11 p.m. because I or 11 a.m. I'm sorry, because I had this long drive to get to the start and I walked really like panickedly. I was super scared of like moose or bear. I had forgotten my bear bell and I was like, oh no, the whole trip's ruined. I won't have like this bell ringing to scare away bear, which lo and behold, no one uses, I guess. Um, But the whole time I was just talking and was super in my head. And then it wasn't until I got to camp that I was like, oh my gosh, Alice and I, like we made it, like we're in a sleep our first night. And then the campsite was right by this massive beaver dam or like beaver lodge. And they all got out of their house and started like patting their tails. And And I was like, Oh no, there's no, like I just was super strong headed and was like, I'm not walking to the next campsite. It's super rugged out here. It was, I hadn't seen anyone all day. So I was like, this is where we're staying. Like this is home. The beavers have to deal with it. Um, And after that first night was over with, it got a lot easier. And me just knowing you, I can only picture or hear what you were saying in the woods. And it's really making me chuckle because like, I can just picture you talking to the dog. Like, Oh, oh yeah. we're turning a corner now. Like, Oh, what a good, crazy stuff. beautiful tree. Check this out, Alice. <laughs> and the fun part is like seeing her perspective of the like wilderness that we were hiking through. She, um, like living in a dog yard as a sled dog, like she does the same run every single day sees about like the same stuff so we were both like experiencing the trail through new eyes like she was figuring out the boardwalks that are on the trail and just like challenging herself like she caught a mouse one day we were both like having little wins or successes so it was nice experience one more thing I guess but you weren't alone the whole time right like you had some people you met up with which I don't know if you want to elaborate on that at all or and the process that goes through. So every five days I had food drops. Um, 
So I had like new underwear, new food, um, and was able to like dump trash and like get rid of things to stay more like to keep what I needed. Um, and then I had a lot of friends that wanted to like join me on the hike. So like my mom came with me for two nights, um, my sister and her husband. And then I met people on the trail too that I didn't know at all. And we became really good friends. And then we would like start the mornings together at the same campsite, leave whenever like each person felt like it, and then would kind of pick out though where we would like meet each other in the evening. So we could hike the trail at our own pace, solo still. But it was nice having someone to like talk to around at camp and just like not feel so alone. A little bit of like routine and familiarity. And so you said that you food drop every five days. How much food would be in the box that they dropped or whatever? Yeah. So when I planned out food, I went with like calories. That was like the biggest goal I was trying to achieve was not losing weight, like having enough food to have energy to hike the next day and then just like having food that I enjoyed. So I started with like mac and cheese for dinner. And then instead of having like dehydrated milk, like a smart person, I just used oil, like olive oil. And by like the second week, the food just tasted horrible. Like instant mashed potatoes were not cutting it for me. I wasn't like, I was hungry and I needed the energy, but I just was not enjoying the food. So when my mom met up with me, she was like, you need freezer meals. And I like switched to freeze dried meals, which are, they have more seasonings and more flavor than like box mac and cheese. So I'd highly recommend those if you can afford them. And if I remember seeing, I don't know if it was your first week, but wasn't there something about pizza? Oh yeah. I went with a bunch of those, like almost like lunchable pizzas for a couple of weeks. And they were really good um, on a training hike when I was in the boundary waters with my dad for a couple days. Like, these are great. I'm going to pack so many of these. Like they're high in calories. They've got the sauce packets right in there. And by like the third day I had them, I was so over them. It was just like painful to eat the pizzas. So what was your favorite trail? Um, Chili Mac by Mountain House. It's like chili and mac and cheese together in one. It's like a freeze dried meal. And I highly recommend it. This is off topic, but we were at Cabela's the other day and we saw yeah. freeze dried pizza. Yeah. Oh, and I didn't and know how that even worked. We've even, we've had. <laughs> like um, Sydney like felt it and I felt it and it literally felt like just like a pizza. Cardboard. Yeah, it just felt weird. <laughs> and yeah, how would you so, like get it to not eat cardboard? <laughs> I yeah. know. I feel like you're supposed to eat it like dry. Yeah. I don't know. It was weird, but. And we've had um, a freeze dried ice cream sandwich yeah. and that was actually pretty good. I guess, <laughs> I guess one other question, Cece, um, was it kind of weird? Like maybe you're indifferent to it, but was it weird? Like coming back into civilization after the end of the 25 days, like there was oh, a kind of, like, yeah, like a little lag to it or something. I guess you want to just elaborate on that a little bit. It was definitely hard to get like back to speed after being in the woods for 25 days. The other people that I met on trail, Krista and Mandy are their names we all kind of like would call each other occasionally after as we got off trail to like relate on our experience, but things like talking about like pooping was very common <laughs> on trail get off, and that's like something you don't really do. And then getting back into like, um, when you're walking eight hours a day, it 
you're like, you're hungry all the time. And then just adjusting back to not walking that much. Um, and I ended the trail in Duluth, which is where I live. So it's nice kind of having a little bit of like ease into civilization going through like canal park. It's like the trail goes right under the lift bridge. Really? Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. You've like, you've probably, a lot of people hiked sections of it that are kind of hidden. Funny. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But like that, uh, like all the people and just all that, like, bustling tourism was weird to walk through so yeah it probably makes you kind of like appreciate things again too like kind of like almost like a rebirth or a new perspective on things in some ways i'm sure yeah it was like new perspective and really like peaceful coming back like being in the woods for that long i just felt really like peace peaceful peaced out i don't know (laughs) okay so i think we want kind of into um backpacking essentials because we hike we do long hikes but we've never through hiked anything and so everyone i feel like has the camping essentials but backpacking and through hiking essentials i feel like are a whole different ball game so if you want to kind of touch on kind of the things that you had specifically if you can list some not all because i saw the picture of what you laid out and it was just like like 70 items and it's like okay I don't even know what half that is um but if you want to list out kind of the main things you had um and then we have some follow-up questions after that I do I do have one question for you did you backpack much before this or was this kind of like your first big trip or this was my first big trip and solo so I backpacked when I was in my freshman year of college so like four or five years ago and that was like a school trip and there were guides and people that knew what they were doing. And then a lot of my other experience was in the outdoors was with friends that guided or like led trips. And so the whole time it was like their gear that I was like borrowing or using. Um, it helped me get more comfortable with knowing like what to do, how to set up camp, um, how to like cook on a little like propane stove. But this was my first like adventure that I had taken on myself. Yeah. Okay. Yep. That's all I had. We can go back to your Sydney's question now. Yeah. Yeah. So the things I like splurge on and it's different for everyone, like what their necessities are, but like a really good water filter is like, brings me a lot of comfort when I'm out there on trail. Um, I don't have to be as picky with water sources. The people that had like smaller um, water filters that were a little cheaper didn't have any problems. So like not to poo poo any other water filters, but I had like a big heavy duty MSR. Um, it's called the guardian water filter. And that thing is like a tank. So I wasn't like afraid of the water. If it was like LGE or kind of like, there were a couple beaver ponds that people had to pull water out of. And that's like a sketchy place to get water. Um, but yeah. And then sleeping pad is another thing. If you love your sleeping pad, like bring that in, like find one that you love that like fits you and makes you sleep well. Cause that's important for the next day. Uh, but I brought gear wise two P tent. So I had a little bit of room in there. Um, I didn't bring like a rain fly. There were a lot of things that I started with. And then as I kept going, I ditched. So it kind of like took a while to dial in gear 
the biggest thing when you're like solo hiking that I learned was you can bring like nothing for cooking supplies. So all I had was like a pot and a spoon. I didn't even have a bowl to like put the food in. I just ate out of the pot and I never like washed it, which is kind of nasty. But when you're like the only one using those like utensils, there's not a lot of like cross contamination or anything. So getting that like, cooking set down, I just used like a whisper light kind of, no, not a whisper light, an MSR fuel canister with like the twist on top things. And that's a lighter option. But yeah, backpacking is wild on gear because the main goal is like to have the lightest stuff. The more like you can buy an $800 tent that weighs two pounds, but it's a like very small really light tent and most people can't afford that um I could not so the gear I was carrying was on the heavier side of things um and a lot of folks had definitely had that top of line gear and like ultralight packs with very little structure it kind of like took me a while on trail to figure it out on what to bring so I don't know if that helps at all no it totally does I feel like one thing with like backpacking stuff and from what I've heard, you want like something that's lightweight, but also durable and like trying to find that balance can be sometimes hard because you are really tough on your gear when you're out there. Exactly. And you don't want it to break and like stop you from getting to do like getting to be out there. Yeah. Backpacking. I think the biggest thing is like, you don't have to buy the most expensive gear. The like ultralight stuff is like a pound lighter and costs like $300 more. And being able to like afford that is not attainable for everyone, but like that shouldn't stop you from getting out there. So having like a 60 pound pack too is a little bit of a pride thing. Like I was kind of proud to be like, I'm hiking this whole with all this extra stuff in my pack and like food and a camera and I'm still doing it and I'm not complaining. And I met a lot of old guys on trail that had like their total pack weight was maybe 25, 20 pounds. And they were flying and they were happy with their setup, but it's a costly like way to do it. (laughs) And so, yeah, you were hiking with your camera gear too. What did you bring for camera gear? Yeah, I brought a Canon R5, which is like a mirrorless camera and then a 35 millimeter lens, which is like a mix between a wide angle and like what the normal eye perceives or sees. And that was five pounds about. And then for like safe, keeping it safe on trail, I wrapped it. I put it in like a tiny, almost like neoprene case I found on Amazon. And then I put that in a dry bag and just like wrapped it around my clothes or made sure not to sit on my pack and like crush it. One question for that. How did you deal with like battery and like uh, batteries for the camera? In those food drops, I would have someone bring new batteries so two new batteries I didn't go through as many batteries as I thought though um as a wedding photographer I like fly through them in a day I'll use like four or five but on the trail I'd only like bring out my camera after an hour-long conversation with a stranger and then it just like one quick picture and I'd move on so the time I like had my camera out was pretty quick and so you mentioned wrapping it in clothes or something um how what what did you even bring for clothes because i assume you needed like a raincoat or maybe or something to stay warm at night so what percentage of your pack was clothes i tried to like 
wear as not wear as, as little of clothing, but bring as little of clothing as possible. I had a rain layer, so like a like sh- almost like shell pants they're called, um, and then a rain jacket. And since it was summer, I had a pair of like hiking pants that have like the zip off, and then one pair of athletic shorts, a long sleeve shirt, and a t shirt. So that was kind of the outfit. And how often? Um, this is a funny question because even if we go on like a short hike, like seven miler, I need to change my socks because my feet sweat so bad. How many pairs of socks did you bring? Like three at a time. Okay. That's what I figured. Something, I mean, you got to take care of your feet when you're through hike. Totally. It wasn't the socks as much as like blisters. I met a lot of other hikers that struggled with bad blisters. And did you? Yeah, just in like the heels. I wore like a Solomon like hiking boot and trail runner mix. And then the, the like there was some weird part of the heel that just like rubbed. Um, and it got calloused by the end of it, but I used a lot of moleskin to get through it. But I didn't have it as bad as some other people I met on trail. So let's kind of like do a compare contrast. Like what was some gear that you maybe wish you would have had or was worth it and maybe stuff that you think that you maybe spent too much on or wasn't actually worth it or maybe start with one. Yeah, we'll start with one. So what, what do you think people should go cheap on? Ooh, I think rain gear, you could definitely go cheap on. Um, It was a drought when I did the hike. So take this with a grain of salt, but like frog togs are like 20 bucks at fleet farm or Cabela's and do the trick for like a season like if you're tight on money this year get some frog togs and the next year maybe like invest in something nicer that'll last you a long time but rain gear i spent way too much on my rain clothing and you're gonna sweat in your rain clothing anyways so i was like sweating inside the clothing and it was raining and it didn't really it did the job it kept the rain off but i was still like soaking wet when i got done because it was so hot outside Another thing, trekking poles are nice to have like light weight. I started with a pair of Walmart poles and on my training hikes didn't really like them. They kept like sliding around or not working. And then my mom had a pair of trekking poles that she found at Savers and she was like, take these with you. So I took her like really nice trekking poles that were carbon fiber. That was helpful. And then your pack, definitely like splurge on your pack. I had an 85 liter Osprey, like, I think it's a X Xena pack or something. Um, and I chose one that had a lot more structure to it because of like the amount of weight I was carrying. Uh, and that's helpful to have a pack that feels comfortable and like fits you and like has pockets where you want pockets. And yeah. So go cheap on rain gear and splurge on hiking poles and or trekking poles and a pack. Yeah. Was there anything at the end of the hike you're like, I didn't use this once or anything like that or no? Surprisingly, my headlamp. I rarely. Really? Use it. Yeah. <laughs> I, <laughs> I thought I'd be using it all the time, but I get into bed at like 8 or 9 p.m. and just completely crash. And then since it was summer, I'd wake up really early and just start the day. But if you're doing like fall trips or like something when it's a lot, shorter days a headlamp would be more essential but the idea of like night hiking does not 
sound exciting to me. And I like to have my dinner at like six or five, not at like eight or 9 p.m. So yeah, I went to bed really early and then woke up super early when it was bright, when the sun woke me up and didn't use it all that much. And so what is something you wish you would have brought if there's anything? Maybe that bear bell. (laughs) 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 And then do you have a favorite piece of gear that you would recommend to anyone or just something that you really enjoyed having? Oh, I love my cooking pot that I have. I know that's kind of random. That's very specific. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I bought like a MSR. I think it's titanium. The pot is, but it's a big enough size that I could cook like a box of mac and cheese in it or boil a little bit of water. Um, But it was an exciting time when you get back to camp and you can cook. So I really liked my, my pot and my kitchen setup of just like, one long spoon and a like um, fuel canister and stuff. Um, <clears throat> I guess that's all we had for like, at least like gear wise, but do you have any advice for someone who would maybe want to hike the superior hiking trail and just any general advice or specific advice you have? Yeah. Get out there. Have fun. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I think you'll never be like the expert of whatever outdoor activity you want to get into. There's so much like stuff that's sold those like you need this to get out there and hike or buy these fancy like waterproof shoes or this kind of sleeping pad or this backpack in order to be successful. And when I started backpacking, my backpack was like found on the side of the road by my dad and was weighed so much. Yeah. So I didn't have like all the proper or quote unquote proper gear to get started. But if you just keep getting out there, that's like the most important part to start. And you'll learn as you go on like what you want. And the more I went out there and just gave it a whirl, I was able to evaluate the gear that I thought I wanted and then what I could afford and then finding that like compromise to actually make it more attainable. And is there any advice you'd have for training for the hike? So not necessarily gear, but were there any parts of the trail that you're like, man, I wish I would have prepared for that. Or I wish someone would have told me about this. Honestly, just walking with your backpack on, like it can be on a flat road or in like your local nature park. But if you're planning a through hike, uh, I did a lot of running a little bit, but just putting that pack on, like knowing how it feels comfortable on your body, like adjusting those straps and then just wearing in your shoes, knowing where you get blisters and, um, practicing a little bit on like setting up your camp and sleeping outside is all really helpful to like figure out a routine and how things will all fit in your bag. It took me like two weeks to figure out how I carried my tent in my pack. And that made a world of a difference. I like got my leg got super sore after like the seventh day that I was like limping along because I had my tent on one side of the bag and it was so lopsided on weight that it was like overworking one side of my body. So just like dialing in how to distribute it evenly so you can make it through the whole hike. Oh, and then another cool thing. I had a friend who did the AT who visited me on trail and she said, how do you know when to get off trail? Like when it's not safe, when you're like pushing through an injury and you need to stop. And she's like, you will know like, when it's time to get off 
don't like get into your head on when you should like get out of the woods. Um, there'll be like a time if you are in like a life or death situation that you'll be like, okay, I need to get off now. So just like trusting that you can get through like the hard stuff or if it's like a rainy and crappy day, you'll get through that. But you'll, you'll know when you like, when it's no longer safe for you to keep hiking. Yeah. Did you ever feel unsafe? No, not at all. I felt really safe the whole time. That's awesome. I would have just been freaked out the entire time. Okay. Um, and we are closing in on questions, but what is a favorite memory or favorite memories that you have from your hike? Yeah. My favorite day on trail was, it was like a couple of days on trail, but I met this old lady named April and she had a bunch of like her friends with her in town and they were like 60 year old hippie women. And they're like, take my phone number and here's a plum and some fruit. They're like, just give us a call if you need a shower or a warm meal or anything like we're close by. We'd love to help you. And by day, I think it was day 10, I was craving a shower so badly. And I gave her a call. I was like, Hey, can you like, do you have a spot on your floor in your basement? Would you take me in? She was like, absolutely. So I spent the evening one night with just like the nicest group of old ladies that I had never met. And they shared stories about what it was like growing up there. Like, when they were young, what it was like to be like a woman in the boundary waters back in the day, all these like stigma, I don't know, just hearing that there were other women like doing the same thing 40 years ago as a woman in the outdoors, you don't always like feel like we're that represented, but it was so cool meeting people that were doing the stuff that I was into long before it was like talked about or like seen as important to like advocate for women in the outdoors. So Maybe you'll be in that situation 40 years from now. Yeah. <laughs> I'll find another young girl hiking. <laughs> and let her sleep on the floor of your tiny home. Yeah, totally. <laughs> you can camp here. <laughs> I have a question. What is your greatest lesson learned? Not saying that the trail has to teach you any lessons, but I feel like it definitely would. It definitely does. Hmm. I think knowing how much I could do on my own. And it's kind of addictive now uh, where I'm like, oh, I want to like accomplish all these things. Like I really want to drill this year for Christmas. Cause I'm like, then I can build things on my own. Um, but every single day, like you were doing it all by yourself. Every, like the cooking part, the like prepping your tent, like all this stuff was done solo. And then looking at a map and being like, I walked that whole entire way all by myself. No one told me what I was doing. Um, it's definitely put a spin on just how I view things that I'm capable of. So is there anything like on the horizon, CC? Like, are you planning on doing any other big through hikes or anything in the future? I have a couple of canoe trips planned for next like spring. Once the ice is out, I really want to like paddle the Namakagan river in Wisconsin um, and get out and like do some more like week trips, but nothing like, no big excursions planned for next year. And would you do the Superior Hiking Trail again? Would you through hike it again? Or would you rather choose a different trail to through hike if you even want to through hike again? I would do it again in a heartbeat, but I think I'd pick a different trail just because every trail has like different stuff to offer or new new things to see. 
And would you want to stick in the Midwest or would you consider doing like the, the AT or anything? Those are like, those are like three month trails, but. Yeah, I like grab, like I go back and forth on if I'd want to go out West or like the Midwest feels really safe and easy because I have friends like nearby that could pick me up or drop me off in a car. But the Appalachian Trail interests me a lot. I don't want to do the full thing. I don't think that's like a six month hike. But doing like a section of a state or like hiking through like Maine and doing that section would be fun. But this year is kind of like just just work this summer and do your thing. I love that. Yeah, relax a little bit. (laughs) Yeah, it's a lot of work that goes into planning a big trip. So. Is there anything that you would like to add that you feel like we didn't touch on? Because there's a lot that goes into planning a through hike. There's a lot of gear that's used. There's a lot of emotional toll. Is there anything that we didn't ask about that you're like, ah, people need to know? The biggest thing that got me through the hike was knowing that like there'll be days that you're really happy and the miles fly by. And then there's days where like everything sucks about it. And it's not like the day itself that sucks. It's like, you're just feeling down and like, it's okay to like feel that emotion and like feel like crap some days. Cause it will get better like <laughs> the next day, but just knowing like there are really high highs and really low lows and you will get through it. But like, it definitely will test you some days. Cece, how can people find you? Do you have an Instagram? I know you have like three Instagrams. But if people want to find you for your photography or if people want to find you for through hiking things or nature things, how do people find you? Yeah, you can find me on CC Backpacks. It's just C-E-C-E and then Backpacks for like my through hiking journey. I did a post almost every day on that um, Instagram. And then CC Boyle, it's just like two C's dot and then Boyle, B-O-Y-L-E on Instagram for just like my personal life. And then there's links in that bio to both um, accounts. And then, yeah, those are like the two main socials that I use the most. And can I just say I lived for your update? Because every day it would be like, this is what I saw on trail. Or here's Alice sleeping in a bush. Or here's the food I ate. And it was so great. Yeah, thank you. I'm glad you liked it. Yeah, it's it's a great follow. Definitely worth a follow, in my opinion. But I will also be posting those in the show notes so people will be able to follow. And so do you want to do a little recap of what we talked about and sign us off here? All right. Well, thanks for, thanks for joining us, Cece. Uh, we really appreciate you having us on. Hopefully have you on again to maybe talk about some other hikes you've been doing or some ventures because you seem, especially even the canoeing, uh, canoeing in the boundary waters. Yeah. And uh, I can't think of the name. What's the stuff with the dog? Uh, Dog sledding. Dog sledding sledding just sounds really interesting to talk about. I don't know anything. is famous on TikTok with dog sledding. Loki famous on TikTok. (laughs) Endurance kennels. It's not my account. I'm just (laughs) in a lot of the videos. (laughs) I get like 4 million views. That is. (laughs) Yeah. So we just talked, uh, just had a great conversation about talking about the spirit hiking trail. Some of the back background about that, you know, some backpacking essentials that help CC get through the trip and some advice and lessons learned that were on the trail. So hope everybody enjoyed listening to the podcast. And thanks for tuning in for this friendly conversation between some outdoorsy pals.
you can uh, always check out our stuff too. Yeah. So we're always posting on Instagram, some updates that we're doing with hunt fish conserve a uh, new podcast going to be coming out because we're kind of winding down the hunting season. So a lot of us are going to have more time. Um, probably have some more recaps of hunts we've been up to. And also um, hopefully in the off season, posting more new blogs and just updates on issues and stuff that we're talking about. So always stay tuned to our socials, which will also be linked in the podcast notes. All right. We out. We out.